Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our readings today are from the New Revised Standard Version Bible. Our first reading comes from Numbers, chapter 30, verses 1 and 2. Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the Israelites, saying, This is what the Lord has commanded. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. We continue with James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You must also be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Brothers and sisters, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. See the judges standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about, for the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth, or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Our final reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Jesus said, and again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we have another one of these sayings from Jesus that begins with the refrain of, You've heard it said, but I say. And this time we have Jesus speaking about making an oath. And this whole idea can be a bit confusing. Part of the problem is that we can get the wrong idea about the implications of what Jesus is saying. It is tempting to suppose that we should never make any promises at all. That we should avoid committing ourselves to anything with our words so that we can avoid any problems. That the only problem Jesus is actually addressing is the making of oaths. And if we did that, we would be missing the larger point that is being made in our reading today. To figure out what the issue is, we begin with our reading from Numbers. It may not be one that you've heard very often, partly because the books that lay out the law are often dense. It jumps from section to section, problem to problem, laying out prescriptions for what should be done, what punishments are, and they are not always terribly memorable compared to the narratives that we have in other sections. 
Numbers is no exception to this. Here we have Moses instructing the Israelites in the law and about oaths. And this is just one section out of a handful that speak about making an oath. And the idea that we get from all of them is that you shouldn't swear falsely and that if you make an oath, you must keep it. Whatever pledge it is that you have made, an oath is binding. And James, we hear that people shouldn't be grumbling about each other and that people should be patient waiting on the Lord and they should have endurance. But above all, they shouldn't swear by heaven or earth or have any other oath made. One should let their yes be yes and their no be no. Why? So that you don't fall under condemnation. Why would they be condemned? It's here that we come to our gospel account from Matthew. Jesus says that our word should be yes, yes, or no, no. And if they are anything more than it comes from the evil one. Or, you might simply read it as having roots in evil intentions. So what does this mean? Is this forbidding us from making any promises? That we should never have any kind of vow? That we should never give our word? When we look at this in more detail, one idea that we get is that this is about the way that we treat our word. An issue that we can have is if we aren't Sure, we can uphold a statement. We shouldn't be making promises about it. That if we have to make a show of our oaths so that people trust our word, we already have a problem. Because we discover that we are making these extravagant shows because people aren't taking us on our word. Because people don't see our yes as yes and our no as no by themselves. Why else would we need to go the extra mile to make an oath but because we're not trustworthy? We need something more than our word for people to believe us because we haven't instilled trust with our word. And this is where our real problems begin. I don't think the issue is at hand is people swearing oaths in general. The problem at hand is that people are swearing oaths because it's the only way anyone will believe them. Worse than that, some people are using oaths as an extravagant way to make it seem like they'll keep a promise that they have no intention of keeping. Later in Matthew, Jesus calls out those who would try to get out of keeping an oath by trying to weasel their way out using any number of technicalities. And it's amazing the number of technicalities people will come up with when trying to defend their own actions. We start to get an understanding at this point that there's little point to swearing these extravagant oaths. Especially if you're swearing an oath on things that you have no control over. You can't change a hair on your head. Why swear by the hairs on your head? James echoes this by reminding us that we need to let our answers be clear. 
and to gain trust so that we are always simply trusted by our word. In short, don't get yourself into situations where you have to do anything more than give your word because it means you're already not trusted. Your word is already pretty much worthless. That's a pretty big issue that we can easily mistake for something else. We might ask, now we shouldn't make any sort of promise because we might be held to account if we fail to keep our word. But the more important part is that we should not be out making promises we aren't sure we can keep. It is better to say that you cannot make a promise than to make a false promise. It is better to say that you can try rather than making elaborate pledges to get people to trust your word. Instead, make sure that your words are always true and people will always trust them. This is the core of the way Christ is interpreting the rules about making an oath. That we shouldn't get ourselves into situations where people don't accept our word as our word. We shouldn't convince people by having to use extravagant means because our yes is no longer yes and our no is no longer no that we cannot give a simple reply. And if we can't, then there must be something going on. If the answer of yes, yes, or no, no isn't enough, you've either failed to build trust, or you are dealing with people who refuse to trust you no matter what. In either case, there should be no need for an elaborate oath to be proclaimed, as it will inevitably undermine your own words. If you have to place your hand on a stack of Bibles before somebody will believe you, then there's already no trust. If you do swear on them, what is the point? Do they actually do anything to change your vow? Isn't it the same vow as before? But now you've turned that stack of Bibles into a cheap prop. And you've devalued both your own word and the Bible itself. Because it becomes a showpiece. People are doing the same thing when they swear by the altar. They swear by the gold on the altar. They swear by the temple. They swear by the heavens or the earth. None of it changes the word. None of it changes the ability to keep the promise. But it shows the extravagant ways that we are willing to try to convince others. And we cheapen everything in the process. If I have to put my hand on this to be able to get you to believe me, then there is no trust. And the moment I do, I'm showing a great disrespect. Because if I place my hand on the Bible and say, I swear by this Bible, I will keep my word. 
I'm telling you that my word by itself isn't enough, meaning that's not enough for me. And I'm also telling you that I'm willing to turn this into a prop to get you to believe me. I'm willing to turn it into a showpiece. And it's nothing more than that. And that becomes problematic. And that's the warning that Christ is giving us. That all the oath-making using props and fancy words is just a show for those involved. It doesn't honor the law from Moses saying that you need to keep the words of your mouth because your words have become convoluted and confusing. James points out that we condemn ourselves when we make a show out of our pledge because we have not let our words be enough. Jesus is telling us that if our word isn't enough, that we already have bigger problems to solve. And this, in turn, is a call for wisdom. This interpretation of our making an oath isn't just a simple rule about not making them at all. We must avoid that trap, just as we need to avoid the trap of making extravagant oaths or making promises we either can't or won't keep. Because our word is the strongest bond that we have. And if we are going to be effective witnesses of Christ, we must be honest witnesses. Part of being honest is making sure that we are honest with expectations and honest in how we deal with others. If we cannot be believed in small matters, how much more will we not be believed in larger matters? If someone can't trust your word that you will do what you say, how much more will they doubt when you speak of your faith? If we are going to be followers of Christ, sharing the message of Christ, then we should be trustworthy. We should not be known for our double talk and our unwillingness to keep a promise. We should not be known for being two-faced. We should not be known for our favoritism or our discrimination. We should not be known for sharing information that we know is not true. We should not be known for sharing convenient lies simply because they reaffirm something we already believed. We should not be known for cherry-picking what we say and do instead of simply being honest about what it is we are saying and doing. We should be known that when we say yes, we mean yes. We should be known that when we say no, we mean no. And that when we say something, when we say anything, that we mean it. When we say we will do something that we need no oath to bind us because our word is our bond. That we don't have to swear by the altar, the heavens, or by the hairs of our heads. Because it will already be assumed that our word is enough. That's the message I hear from Christ. So in this, I pray that we all are given cause to stop and reflect on our own word and our own trustworthiness. That we give careful consideration to the words that we use and the things that we say to others. That we should always speak what is right and true. That if we find that we are not, that we more deeply devote ourselves to Christ 
and let our hearts and lives be changed so that we can speak truthfully and be trusted. So let us say yes, yes, and no, no, so that we may be known for our honesty. Let our words be true so that when we speak of our Lord, others may know his truth as well. And may we always walk faithfully and honestly, because we walk in the Lord all the days of our lives. Amen.